Hey. Hi. It's Tash and Carly. And you're listening to Motherhood. Not as we planned. So get comfy, grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine and let's start talking about all the things too many of us avoid discussing. Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of Motherhood Not As We Planned. This week we are getting kind of deep aren't we? We're talking about triggers and things that trigger you in new relationships or just in general following I guess some kind of trauma. Yeah I think also it is having maybe trauma that you've carried through previous relationships. Yeah. Or maybe even, and I don't want to get too deep because I don't think we're like qualified to talk about it, but, you know, that childhood trauma that some people have mm. and then it ends up kind of being highlighted in a relationship. Um, we had a lot of you guys send in things that you find triggering that I think we can probably relate to quite a few. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you want to just, should we just dive straight I think we can start one? with those and see where we go. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. My ex used to say, she's just a girl at work. You have nothing to worry about. But I was right. I can see just glancing at these, there's a lot of work comments. When it comes to infidelity, I think that that is kind of like the commonplace to have it with because that's where your partner tends to be. Do you know what I mean? You can kind of like lead that separate life so I'm not surprised with the amount of work comments that I'm looking at. And I'm not suggesting for a second that men are the only ones that cheat. No. But you have that typical kind of like structure of the mum is at home with the kids or like part time and sort of does things at home. And the man is office based and therefore he's surrounded by other people. So I... I can't necessarily directly relate, but at the same time, I can really, really understand that that must be a trigger. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, this is that's that is one of my triggers for me. I'm not going to delve into too much regarding it. I'm sure you can read between the lines. Um, but I also understand that in regards to that's where that person went for nine hours a day or whatever it was and you know often with work there's other related things to work like parties or um drink business meeting or networking and I think like one thing that I've learned with surrounding that being a trigger is obviously I am currently in a new relationship and I think things that are associated with work do trigger me like and I think that's also also it's very normal and I think the the key thing here is I think all the time you're going to learn and uncover what your triggers are I think sometimes you don't even know what your triggers are until something happens but I think when you're with someone new and you're aware of what your triggers are, I think it's really important that you're with someone you're able to talk about that with and say, look, this is a trigger for me. This makes me feel this way. And I think it's really important that you're with someone who says, what can I do to help you feel better about that? What can I do to make you feel less anxious? And I think for me, that has been so fundamental in my relationship and probably why I value my relationship I'm in at the moment so much because I never had that understanding in my marriage I've never felt heard or listened to and just things and I'm sure we'll come on to it that's not just my only trigger I've got a million from <laughs> a girl with issues um but I just I think when you do find out your triggers and if you are moving into a relationship, I don't I don't think you're ever going to reach a point when nothing triggers you and then you're like, I'm free of my triggers. Now I can be with someone. I think you have to understand you're going to always carry things with you. And that's OK. It's just if you're in a relationship with someone and you want to move into a relationship, you need to be with someone who understands that you can't black it out. You can't pretend you're not triggered. I also think that's really important. I think. Some people sometimes go into relationships and they want to hide the fact because they don't want to be a problem or 
Um, you know, so they might withdraw from saying how they feel, but really you've got to be able to be true to yourself and you've got to, otherwise it's never going to go anywhere. Likewise, I think it's really easy when you are triggered by a lot of things to have walls up, have barriers up um, and almost assume the worst of people, like feel like everyone's going to do the same as what you've experienced. And I think it's really important to understand that's not the case and that communication, that open communication about you being able to freely talk about your triggers why you're triggered but having someone who's there for you who wants to understand and wants to genuinely help is so key yeah i think there's maybe like a fine line between like being aware of your trigger and communicating it but in the right way that you're not almost like putting that trigger onto a new person and almost implying they're going to do that because someone else did and look i've i have done that in my new relationship and it's all learning like I've never had these triggers before because I've I feel like I've never been this person who's carried a lot of things with me. I've always been quite um a confident, carefree person. So it feels really new to be in a relationship and have worries that I've stupidly never had before. Yeah. Um and like I have made mistakes in my new relationship in terms of accusing or trying to essentially um i don't know like almost feel like it's too good to be true so this must be happening it's like you're waiting for something to be like knew it like knew that would happen because yeah that's what's meant or or just like assuming everyone is the same and they're not there are some genuinely good people out there and i think for me what i've realized is i i don't know I can't I can't do that. There are some really good people out there who want to listen and want to help you and want to love you and treat you in the right way. There will come a point where I agree that the person that you're with needs to understand them and respect them and like try and help you overcome them, but it is your trigger. Yeah. And as much as you need someone to be understanding, there will come a point where you need to almost like accept that that trigger is related to another person and you need to almost like you can't tarnish someone with the same brush now so it is also that healing process of once the first part is realizing you have the trigger there are going to be people that don't even realize that they have a trigger until someone else is able to kind of like identify it for you so realizing you've got it and got it and accepting it is the first stage then obviously making sure you are with someone that's not going to turn around and be like, well, you can't feel that way because like, yeah. don't go on the, def- the like, if they're like become defensive about it, I don't think that's the best way to help someone. They need to make, it. yeah, you need, you always need to be someone who, who makes you feel heard and makes yeah. your feelings feel valid. Yeah. But I feel like there will become a point 100%. where like you need to take responsibility yeah. in like fixing that trigger. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and I think that, that probably relates to like overthinking, like, Hands up. Hands up if you're an overthinker. Yeah. <laughs> I am the biggest overthinker, like so. And again, I think sometimes that stemmed from triggers. Yeah. And something will happen and then my mind will literally create like an hour-long story and it will go from here, well, this, 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 this. And then I believe it and I believe this whole thing and nothing's even happened. And there's probably people listening to this thinking, I literally do the same thing and I end up believing it. And then I think I think what I've learned to do very, very recently, please know, like, I'm not perfect. And like, one thing I'm really... <laughs> one thing, like, I'm striving to do now, which I think is a result of my marriage failing, is I want to grow into, like, the best person I can be. Yeah. Like, I want to be the best partner. I want to evolve i i i feel like there's so much room to evolve in a relationship and i think it's really important you're with someone who helps you grow but one thing i've started to do in those situations when i identify like carly you're overthinking i think you're going a bit cuckoo yeah i'll step back like i'll look through my phone at really positive things 
from that relationship, like pictures or videos or messages or think back to like really thoughtful things. I think you've literally created that in your head. None of that is true. And it's, but it's being able to do that on my own. Mm -hmm. I don't always want to have to go and seek the reassurance from my partner. That's not fair. Mm. I, again, it's that taking that responsibility and that's something I'm really trying to focus on at the moment is stepping back and thinking, you've made that up. That's, that's actually you psycho. Yeah. <laughs> you have issues, girl. Maybe you should write a book. Maybe you should write a film. <laughs> Honestly, some of the stuff I've come up with. Um, but it's it's... So it's stepping back and realizing none of that is happening. <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh. Like I, I really get it. Yeah, I, I relate so much. Yeah. Like, some of the shit that I've made up in my head, I'm like, am I wrong? Yeah, you. I think when it comes to overthinking, if you are an overthinker, the right person for you would be an overexplainer. Like it is finding that like support unit where someone can help you you can support each other but without attacking each other for nothing that they haven't done do you know what i mean this is really cutting core yeah it's cutting deep it's so true and it's something i'm actually learning in recent weeks is is just that and i think sometimes it is like i'm not gonna lie like it's been a it's been a rough old year. It's you know I've I've learned a lot of things and been through a lot of things that I never anticipated going through, and I never anticipated being in a relationship this soon. I didn't know I had the capacity to want to even be near a man, um, let alone like open up my heart to love. Mm. And I think what has come with that is I want to be able to give someone that respect mm. of like you shouldn't be paying the price for someone else's mistakes. For someone else's mistakes. And like anyone I know, like we get lots of people like, oh, I've lost hope I'll never find anyone again. Like I promise you there are some really, really good people in the world out there. We're so blindsided by what we've gone through, but there are some good ones out That's it. It's not allowing someone else's mistakes to tarnish your idea that there are possibilities for a good relationship. Mm. What the relationship I'm in right now is so different in so many ways to what I'm used to. And again, I think it's learning, it's relearning how to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I think I was in a relationship that was so toxic. Well, you're not actually relearning how to be in a relationship, you're learning to be in a different relationship. I, you're right, you're right. I think the hard thing is when you've been with someone for so long and there's been so many toxic traits and toxic behaviors. It's sometimes hard to um, behave differently in a relationship that doesn't display them. And it's actually, it's, I can't remember what I read somewhere, but it's like when you're in a toxic relationship and it's full of drama or arguments, it's that um, adrenaline, it's always that, it's that fight main. And it's that fight or flight mode. So it, that, that, that was true of my relationship. It was either fight or, I'm leaving, like I'm going, I'm going for a drive. It's that fight or flight. And I think actually when you're with someone who calms your nervous system down and makes you feel calm and makes you feel safe, sometimes it's like, oh, it's like this feels different. It doesn't feel the same as another relationship, but actually that's a really good thing because yeah. a relationship, a positive relationship, you shouldn't constantly feel fight or flight. Mm -hmm. You should feel calm. You should feel safe. And yeah, it's an incredibly new experience yeah um i saw another one that i would say is probably my biggest trigger their phone my ex took it with him everywhere dulled the screen changed the password my new partner leaves his phone lying around i that is literally me to a t yeah. like the phone i think the phone is probably quite triggering for anyone because I feel like in this day and age, how we are with social media and being able to talk to people, everything is so accessible on our phones. Like someone can be cheating, sadly, when they're lying in bed next to you because it's all on their phone. And for me, my ex literally slept with his phone. Like it wasn't out of sight. So then there are so many occasions when I'm lying in bed and my boyfriend gets up 
and goes into the shower. And still to this day, I've been with him nearly a year. I sit up, I look over and his phone is just on the side. And I never once thought, I need to go and look at it. Mm. Like, I know his pin. I've ne- like, it is the nicest feeling to have never felt the need to pick up his phone and mm. look at it. And yeah, it's just, I'm very aware of my triggers, but I'm so proud of myself for not kind of like taking that along into my new relationship. But that is a prime example of someone that is not doing something wrong, showing you without using his word yeah. that there isn't a problem there because his phone isn't forever in his pocket. He doesn't sleep with it. He leaves it on the right side up. It's not with him when he's in the shower because you can't be on your yeah. shower anyway. Well, they're not on their phone all the time with you, yeah. like doing something. Like, like that's one thing I've taken into my new relationship, particularly with like our job being what it is. Yeah, I we are more, and I love this. Like, I'm on my phone way less when we're together. We're together and we're embracing and really enjoying each yeah. other's company. And yeah. I think, look my old relationship had been with him 10 years things change and again I feel like I'm able to look back at that and take things that I want to learn and do better in this relationship and I think the phone thing is massive just a phone being out on the side it's like what yeah like still to this day is this this a trick phone (laughs) yeah is there another one oh no I'm not putting that idea in my head oh fuck my boyfriend has got two phones he's got work phone but they're normally both out Yeah, yeah yeah no but like I don't know. I just think that the phone is a dangerous one because I think I remember quite a few episodes ago. I mean, it was one of like the first ones where we spoke about red flags. Mm. One of the biggest red flags was the kind of the phone and face down, not, not having yeah. the pin and things like that. I don't think like, I'm not saying anyone that doesn't know their partner's pin, red flag, he's cheating on you. But I think it's quite normal. You know, like if my boyfriend's driving, yeah. he'll be like, oh, put some put some music on, choose someone, he'll pass me his phone. So like, rather than me being like, oh, quickly put your pin in, like, I just put it in. Like, it's quite normal to have, I, I personally think it's weird to not know your partner's pin. It's weird to not know your partner's pin if you're sleeping together. Like, you're literally being intimate together. You're sharing like, I don't know, a bed with someone. I just think there's lots of other things you're doing that you're, that are all about the trust. Like, what? Well, it's not. It's not a big deal. Mm. It's. It's never been a big deal. Both. We've both. I think there's been numerous times I've. I've said like my pin is blah, 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 and he's been like my pin is. Blah, blah. I'm like if you ever want to look, and he's like if you ever want to look, and yeah, it's really nice to know that. Again, I've never felt the need to look. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think yeah, cool. phones are a trigger. They are a trigger. And some more. Okay, there's a lot here about gaslighting. Gaslighting, having the facts and still not getting any answers, driving me crazy. Um, I think a lot of behaviours like that, and we've spoken about this before, I think, but like you don't realise often you're being gaslighted until you're out of that relationship. So I feel like if I was to ever be in a relationship where I saw those behaviours again, you'd be much more aware of it. Like you'd be triggered straight away and be like... I'll tell you what I am actually realize only i would say in the last week which is obviously i would call it more trauma for me from my previous relationship and it's sad because i feel like i was gaslit so much and was made to always feel like i had done something wrong or i approached things in the wrong way or i was being paranoid or you know i was at fault that I feel like I used to be like really confident in holding my own and like having a com- not having a conversation, not just with a boyfriend, but just generally people. Mm. I've become really um, paranoid and worried that I'm doing things or saying things that are incorrect or out of turn and really needing my friends to confirmed to me that I'm saying things in the right way and not being out of line like I don't know if that makes sense basically like I feel like I now over apologize for things that I don't need to I'm not talking about my relationship with my boyfriend I'm talking about for example not going to get into the nitty-gritty but 
someone messaged me on Instagram, a supplier. They weren't happy about something that happened, something to do with whatever. I'm not going to go into it. Anyway, I replied and then I feel this need to like screenshot it and send it to my best friends and being like, hi, would you just like let me know that like what I've said, like that's that's okay, isn't it? Like, have I said this in the right way? Like, will they take my tone badly? And all my friends replying being like, you've apologized about four times and you did nothing wrong. Like, that's not you. Why are you over apologizing? Mm. And I think only in the last like week, I've really noticed that I'm almost treading on eggshells being so careful with how I speak to someone because I'm so used to being told I don't speak in a way or I say the wrong thing and I'm slowly building that confidence back realizing do you know what like I do articulate myself in the right way I'm not aggressive I'm not a rude person and I care about other people's feelings and it just made me a bit sad I don't like getting upset all right I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. I just think it makes me really sad that... Like, I feel like I've, like, lost, like, confidence in, like, who I am as a person. And, like, I know that I'm caring and I really, really, like, worry about saying the right things to people so I don't upset them. And it's just quite sad that I feel this constant need to get reassurance from other people that I can't just say what I want to say because I'm so used to being made to feel so shit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's only really become apparent recently that I think it's like been really traumatic for me and I never really realised it. And that's it. And like you're you're over a year into it and you're still learning yeah. new triggers and new traumas i think triggers and traumas they 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 they're very similar i think you don't realize a lot of the things and i think sometimes they do take you by surprise and it can be something completely unrelated to a relationship or anything like that and you're like whoa like and realize how much that had impacted me yeah. um and i know i've still got a lot of those those to come yay <laughs> can't wait i, I just want to highlight like you know and I'm sure you get the same. Like, I get messages all the time like, you're so amazing. You're so strong. I don't know how you do it. Like, I'm not strong. I've just sadly been, you know, led led into a situation that I didn't choose to be in. But you just have to deal with it. I don't, I don't want to be this strong, independent woman. I want to be in my feminine energy and looked after but I was pushed into needing to be there and that's it I always say it like yeah I get the same all the time god you're so strong like how did you do it I'm in the early days of this how did you do it you don't have a choice yeah you don't have a choice you've got to wake up every day you've got to be a mother you've got to do the best for your kids you can't spend the days moping in bed this is your life you have to come to terms with it you find the strength. You find the strength. And I always say this to people when they message me. You may not know it now, but you are as strong as I am because yeah. you don't have a choice not to be. Yeah. You have to get through it and you will get through it. Yeah. And I think I guess I just want to let people know that like, just remember again what you see on social media. Like, yes, I am strong at times, but I'm a year and a half down the line from my separation. I still have bad days. That doesn't mean... And I need to emphasize this because I think some people are just dicks. That doesn't mean I'm pining after him. You can evidently carry trauma and triggers years and years down the line. It's like still it, pain. It is. It is painful. It doesn't like, mean I agree. It doesn't mean you have feelings for that person. It doesn't mean you're not you miss it. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're missing them. It's not that at all. That's been something that's hurt you. It, it it's it's changed a part of me. It's it's. I lost my, you know, confidence, my capability of feeling like I can say this and this and not doubt that I'm doing something wrong because I always was. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's my trauma. <laughs> Real and raw. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. I think that you will probably agree with this. Weirdly, my triggers are the nice things with my new partner. Sometimes it throws me. Like I, 
Yeah, the hundred percent. Why are you doing this? Like, it's the same. Are you hiding something? <laughs> no, I, no. I guess it's like it's like me looking at the phone and being like, "Oh, that's weird." Like, instead of someone being like really happy by that, they can find it. That's a nice yeah. thing. It is triggering. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I do appreciate that. Or it's like, oh, I've got a brilliant example. He's just bought me flowers. What's he done wrong? Yeah. That yeah. that like that can be a massive trigger, but genuinely, he's just buying you flowers because he's a good guy. Yeah, or like things I really struggle with. It's quite sad, really, but I'm really bad at like taking compliments now. Like if I'm told like, "God, you're gorgeous," or "You're beautiful," you've got amazing eyes. I'm like, <laughs> or not her, but I'm like, well, no, or I'm like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. and I think. Really what that stems down to is in my marriage, I wasn't made to feel any of those things. Mm -hmm. And obviously the way things played out, I felt far from beautiful and far from gorgeous. And I felt feel like if I really was beautiful and gorgeous, what happened wouldn't have happened. So in my head, I'm like, well, that's not true. And I struggle. And again, he he does find me beautiful and he does find me gorgeous. And like, I think... Again, it's a really like it thing. No, but he'd probably love it if you took that on board and said he always said he, he he goes to it. He's like, thank you. I'm not going to say his name, but he goes, say thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, but no, actually, he's just as bad as I am. So yeah, no, I think I think a lot of people struggle to accept compliments, yeah. especially when they're not used to them. Yeah, even just like thoughtful stuff. I've never, I've never been in a relationship where someone has done little things like it might for example i feel like previously so it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago but like previously for my birthday it's always like what would you like for your birthday i'd like this they'd buy that and that was what i got for my birthday whereas i feel like this year every little thing i was bought was the most thoughtful thing emma and it threw me like Little things he'd obviously picked up in in just having conversations. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know, really touched, but also was like, who listens? <laughs> like, what? Like, I, it's just all very new. Yeah. And um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say I was triggered, but it's, again, like for anyone in the early days thinking I'm never going to meet someone, never in my life did I think I was going to meet someone so thoughtful. Like one thing I will share that he got me for my birthday, which is the most thoughtful thing. Like everyone who knows probably knows I am um, a bit of a writer. Like I really enjoy writing. And he bought me this really lovely make of pen with my name engraved on it. And I just thought, what like a thoughtful thing to do for someone. Yeah. It just threw me. Yeah. It completely threw me. I love that. I think this is probably one of the most common triggers when you're dating in a new relationship. Someone's put here, when someone takes ages to reply or leaves me on red. I think that ages to reply thing depends because I feel like people work and people have stuff going on. But the red... But, I know, but I guess like with that... Oh, it is something, yeah, yeah. Someone that used to be with someone that like would go out and never reply to them and you know I can imagine that then if they're with someone new an overthinking episode yeah if they're with someone new who is actually just genuinely really busy at work and takes ages to reply that can be a massive trigger Mm. because you're like oh my god what why are they not replying yeah I I do relate to that they're they're ghosting me I've definitely done that yeah Yeah. it's that concern of like oh they're talking to someone else or where are they maybe they're not where they stay maybe they're not interested in me anymore yeah so I I reckon like the dating world as well where you're like talk I think like if there's a constant flow of conversation and then all of a sudden you get an an eight hour of not a reply yeah that is so triggering massively triggering the red thing that that would bother me yeah same that would really bother me i'll tell you what i actually think it's not even triggering i feel like it's just like rude no what's the word i wouldn't call it a red flag but for me i just find it like no toxic is when people have their read receipts off yeah don't know. their last scene off yeah even their online off Edric, no you can, you can do that i have everything on so do i i would find it really uncomfortable if my partner i'd have you know what off. i turn them off 
at the start of my relationship breakdown. When when we separated, I turned everything off. I don't know why. I didn't want him to know when I was online or, yeah. or anything like that. That. Was, that there was reason for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even yeah. yeah. And then I well, they're all back on now. I just think it's it was weird. What are you hiding? Why don't you want people to know when you were last online? Yeah, I just find it a bit toxic. It's toxic. Yeah. Um, talking of things like this, I feel like it kind of flows nicely into maybe talking slightly about attachment styles. I think we can both say that we are anxious attachment what <laughs> me anxious don't know what you're talking about so anyone that doesn't understand attachment styles i do think that we briefly spoke about it with shelly yeah so there are three different types of attachment styles you can have a secure attachment style an anxious attachment style or an avoidant attachment style i know i only know about the avoidant and anxious <laughs> i am the anxious and um, amazing probably will be secure you're, you're turning into secure. I'm trying. Yeah. And we'll get there. Working on it. So your typical secure attachment style, that is a person that is very happy, content and secure in a relationship. They do not get particularly worried or bothered if their partner doesn't reply to them or, you know, Go goes out. the whole day without, yeah, or goes out or just general... Generally, just in the relationship, they, yeah. And I'm not saying for a second that anyone anxious isn't content. They just might be on edge. No, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the trust thing. They trust yeah. them. Yeah. Content. They are just generally not that sort of, like, worried, overthinking mess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you have avoidant. That is someone that generally tries to avoid a relationship or avoid being attached to someone they very much like their own space they might be that person that tends to pull away as you get closer that would be the person that maybe is a bit hot and cold and they might not be aware that they've got an avoidant attachment mm. style they are those people that probably go in and out of relationships and can't quite hold on to that long term and then you have the anxious attachment style exhibit a <laughs> hi um, they are generally people that really want to be in a relationship. You might class them as slightly. Don't want to use the word. Don't mean. I don't want to use the word needy, but more. <laughs> so needy. I'm so, I'm so needy. Love me, but like you know, wanting to be close to that person, constantly feeling like they need that reassurance and like constant same same behavior whereas if something changes ever so slightly they'll go instantly into that panic overthink their nervous system's really unsettled isn't it just yeah so again i know we have mentioned this before but the book attachment i just found so great um i would really it, I would, yeah. i'll bring it to you you can read it i would really recommend it it kind of really explains so for example, if you have a relationship where one of you has an anxious attachment style and the other one is avoidant, which is really common in a relationship, mm -hmm. it's really, really hard to understand each other because you'll have this anxious that like really wants to like pull in close. And then the more you do that, the avoidant is moving further away. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't love you, but their their style is to be a bit more distant. And it's just a really interesting book. And it kind of, almost helps you learn to become more secure. Right, I give me this book. <laughs> I personally personally believe that they say that it can be quite rare to change your attachment style, but in the right relationship, that's when you I agree. become more secure. As well, like, I feel like for me as well, a lot of these behaviours of being like that are very new for me. I've, I would say previously I've been secure like stupidly secure <laughs> um <laughs> so and and i do feel like i don't feel like you're dictated by one i don't don't want anyone listening to this thinking oh my god i'm an anxious and always will i always will be i might as well give up hope of ever feeling safe and secure in a relationship it's absolutely about who you're with and it's what's hot and it takes time and as well like I think it, one thing that's really important is recognizing what you are. It's like I've I have recognized very recently. I didn't even know these things were a thing. I have recognized I am anxious, and almost for me, it's trying to identify why I feel that way. And a lot of that is to do with my triggers and my insecurities. 
And again, it's being able to take responsibility for some of those things mm-hmm. and stepping back and being like, I don't actually have a real reason to feel like that. And it's sometimes it's like bringing yourself back down to earth and like rationalizing in your brain before you expel. I know sometimes you say to me, oh, if you're thinking, if you start thinking about something, just come and like voice note me before you and I'll bring you back. Yeah, which is so true. Like, thing is, my brain knows a lot of this stuff is absolute BS. Mm. It just goes off on one. So one thing like I'm really working on is to just take that step back. Yeah, definitely. I can really resonate with this one. Feeling like I can't communicate my feelings because the person I'm communicating them to is not hearing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that for me personally, if you don't feel like there is that safe space to say how you feel, then I think the relationship that you're in is going to struggle because like we've always said, the fundamental thing in a relationship is to be able to communicate. There's always going to be things that happen in a relationship, not even in a relationship, in life. And things are going to make you feel a certain way and you should never feel guilty for being, for feeling any kind of way. And I think it's really important that you're able to communicate with that. On the flip side of that, I think it's important you do that in a way that is sensitive and, you know, um, respectful to the other person. Yeah, and not going in. Yeah. Like attacking. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I do think it's really important that you're able to talk about your feelings and how things made you feel feeling safe, knowing you could be heard. And even if, you know, look, even if you don't agree, being able to respectfully hear each other and say, I I hear your point, I don't necessarily agree, but, and being able to communicate that. But I think sometimes when you're dismissed or you're, you know, shut down straight away, but that's your problem, you feel like that, that's, a massive problem. Another problem. I think a common mistake that women make in relationships is that we don't communicate our needs. We expect them. Yeah, I really, really get that. I feel like expecting someone to do something. Men and women think very differently. And what you expect maybe something that they're not aware of at all and then you're almost building up this resentment that they haven't done it but you didn't let them know you needed it yeah and i reckon we are all so guilty so guilty it's like like, it's like you expect them to read from a script but that you forgot to give them the the words yeah they don't know what they're meant to do so you i i just think it's so like and i think in relationships it's so important that you do feel like your needs are being met. But in order for them to be met, you need to express them. You need to communicate them. Yeah, because men are not going to know a woman's needs without being told and vice versa. And as well, it links in with what we spoke to about with, with Shelley about love languages. It's yeah. like, I need more of the affirmation or whatever yeah. it is. I need more of the physical touch. Yeah. Once you're able to communicate that and you know what your partner needs from you or you know what you need from your partner... I think that's when you really kind of like develop and grow in a relationship. Yeah. Like I always used to have this mindset that like I love flowers. I love being bought flowers, but I will not tell my partner to buy me flowers because then it takes away the niceness of them buying me the flowers. However, some men need a bit of instruction. They just do. So... Sometimes I think women are maybe stubborn to being like, well, I'm not going to tell him because he should know, but why should he know? Mm. Maybe flowers are the wrong example, but it just came to mind. But I just feel like, you know, when you're like, oh, I can't believe he didn't do that. But he may not know that you really want him to do that. Mm. So rather than getting angry at your partner for not doing something that you think that they know that you want it to be done... Let them know, but not in a way of, cheers, next time do that, yeah? You know, it's, do you know what would make me so happy? I just, the flowers are in bloom at the moment. They're so pretty. Yeah. Like, yes, sometimes you might think, it's annoying. He should know I want flowers. But 
sometimes they just need a bit of guidance. I don't think it's a problem to give it. No, it's not. Yeah. No. I think I think for a lot of people the main triggers are things associated with the way their relationship broke down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in whatever way that was, whether that was infidelity or I don't know, yeah. alcohol related. And I think I think it can even be little things, like it could be I don't know, like certain songs might remind you of a certain time. It might have been like a particularly bad time in the relationship or certain times of year or, you know, I I certainly feel like there's things now where, I don't know if you get this on your phone, it's like a year, it comes up like a year ago, blah, 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 and it reminds me. And then, I don't know, there'll be like certain things of memories that I had as a family that actually with the information I now have, I'm like, well, that was a lie. That was a what? That was mentioned. What? Yeah, I, I find that quite triggering because I feel like some of actually my happier memories are are a bit tarnished, and that makes me really sad. And I feel like sometimes things like that have really thrown me. Or again, I guess it stems back to like my overthinking. But um, I feel yeah, I just feel like in regards to that, like particularly if you're in a situation where you're learning information or you know things are surfacing i think it is hard to look back at maybe some things that were once happy memories and they yeah. now with what i know you they actually weren't yeah and that yeah, that's really quite bad. i find that really triggering because i feel like things like happier times have been taken away kind of thing mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah no i really get that i mean right now like completely like nothing to do with like my new relationship not saying that triggers have to be anything to do with your partner but i'm finding this trend that i'm seeing all over mm-hmm. instagram i know it's really triggering and i don't know if anyone's did we make it yeah it's the one where it's like a photo of like you and your partner when you're younger and it says did we make it no we didn't <laughs> we didn't <laughs> And then there's like the, of course we did. And it's like them with their all their kids. And I'm happy okay. families. I'm so in love with this amazing man. Oh. Yeah. So I'm yeah. finding that really frustrating. So, so I've been very tempted to do my own little version being like, ha, no. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> so, but it's it's little things like that. Yeah. I think are just going to come up and, you know, I'm, I don't want to sit here and make out that I'm this like bitter woman that like hates anyone in a happy marriage like I love that for everyone like please may it continue and hopefully one day be for me again but everyone's going to have their things that they see that's a bit like oh that's that makes me sad or uncomfortable or but again you've got to realize and I'm sorry to say it I'm sure you're thinking it I'm the one that says it but half those people that made it they haven't fucking made it because they're fucking miserable and they're lying it's true like people want to give off this Happy fairy tale. And you know what? A year ago, I probably would have jumped on that trend. And really, was I that happy? Yeah, I probably would as well, to be fair. Why? Wow. So what? there you go. Hypocritical bitch. Cog guys, get off Instagram. No, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that's our job. <laughs> but yeah, so should we go on to some emails? Because oh, yeah. we are so behind in them. And guys, for anyone listening, please send in emails, whether it's even just a little. We want to hear about people who are maybe going on their first date for the first time. We want to hear We want to hear the funny. We want to hear the sad. We want to hear the real. We want to hear it all. And we want to hear real stories from you. So please like, don't feel like just because you haven't got like an awful breakup story or predicament. Mum related. Yeah. You've just had a new baby and you're feeling overwhelmed. Email us. Let us share your experience. Let us talk about it. So we really want to get these emails, mm-hmm. I think, sharing more of them. So let's go and find one that stands out. Here we go. This one is called Do I Stay or Leave? 10-Year Relationship Advice Needed, please. Hi, Tash and Carly. Firstly, I just want to thank you both for creating this podcast as it's really helping me mentally during this really difficult time in my life. I'd really appreciate your opinion and hopefully some advice regarding my situation. Last year, my partner of 10 years went to his work Christmas party. I mean, trigger. <laughs> it was in another city around 45 minutes away, so all the managers were invited to stay over in a hotel. I didn't have an issue with this as we had a good relationship. I had a really lovely evening with our son doing arts and crafts, watching a Christmas film and getting ready for the fun-filled weekend we had planned. 
following morning, I hadn't heard from him, which was unusual as we had planned to go and have breakfast with Santa that morning. And he said it would be home as it was the first thing we were doing with our son. It was getting nearer to the time to leave and he wasn't answering my calls or text messages, so I left without him. Two hours later, we arrived back home and my partner still hadn't come home. I'd be scared he died. (laughs) I started to worry at this point as I hadn't heard from him for over 14 hours and my calls were just going to voicemail. He arrived home an hour later and went straight upstairs, not acknowledging his partner or child in the room. Sorry, I am baffled. I waited a while before following him upstairs and asking how he was, how his night was and why he hadn't answered his phone. I mean, you are really nice because I would have gone a fucking ape shit. Like, but you miss like his adder. <laughs> well, it's just weird. I straight apologised and said he just got a bit too drunk and wanted to try and sober up this morning as he had to drive home, apologising that he missed breakfast. I was annoyed but brushed it off as I was just glad he was safe and home. I love you. <laughs> Throughout the day, I had really strange gut feeling that something wasn't right. He is usually really aroused when hungover, so I was expecting to have some intimacy that evening. But when we got into bed, he just rolled over and went to sleep. I thought he was maybe too tired after having a really late night and he would wake up and we would be intimate then, but that didn't happen. I knew something wasn't quite right, so I confronted him and asked him if he was okay. He assured me he was fine and was reading into it too much. He said he was just tired. I tried asking him again if he was alright as he wasn't himself and he kept reassuring me everything was fine. I had a horrible gut feeling, so brushed it off and decided to wait until he was asleep to check his phone. This was when I found messages between him and a colleague talking about how fun last night was, how much they wanted it to happen again, and how much they couldn't stop thinking about each other. I felt sick. I didn't know what to do. One week before Christmas, and it felt like my entire life had come crashing down. Our little family had been torn apart, and I'd never felt pain like it. I wanted to stop scrolling, but I couldn't. I couldn't sleep. I felt sick to my stomach and wanted answers immediately. I waited until the next day to confront him and without our child in the house. You are a good person. I think I would have like attacked. I asked him who she was and he replied, a girl from work. And when I asked why he slept with her, he denied it over and over again. It wasn't until I recited a message to him that he said to her that he admitted it. The fact that he didn't automatically own up to it, he didn't apologise straight after didn't regret it in the morning after and continued to message her when sober made me question whether I knew him and wanted him in my life. I got some advice from friends and I was torn as to some told me to leave, others told me to have a deeper conversation with him and find out why, whether we can move forward and not just throw away 10 years. It was the hardest decision to make as I had my four-year-old son to prioritise. I chose to stay to try and work through it and to make sure he understood how I felt that it wouldn't just be resolved in four weeks, four months, etc. and it would take time. Fast forward five months, I was really struggling. Are you okay? Oh, can't really triggering. Sorry. Fast forward five months and I was really struggling to move on. He wasn't making any effort or trying to regain my trust. I'm a student at university and I was failing my exams. I was struggling with anxiety and felt completely lost. One Sunday, we had a chat and decided it was go- wasn't was going to work this way. We decided it was probably best to separate. Within an hour, his attitude instantly changed towards me. He started drinking after we had finished our conversation. I asked why he was speaking so angrily, looking at me in disgust when an hour ago he had been civil and agreed to make it work for our son's sake. I asked who he was messaging as they were clearly having an influence on his actions and behaviour and it was her. He had messaged her telling her he was single and they should meet. She instantly replied, telling him her relationship had also broken down and she was also single. I felt sick. He had been single for one hour and was already planning to get with her. I asked him to leave, but his parents didn't want him as I I had previously spoken to them about everything and they were disgusted. He slept at his brother's for one week and then came back and has been in the attic ever since. I haven't got anywhere to go as I don't have my parents and no family nearby. Looking back now, I feel like I should have changed the locks as I have since discovered he was meeting her when he was telling me he was working late or doing a job for someone. I feel like I'm being walked all over and everybody is laughing at me, but I'm so scared of the reality that I would be a single mum if I was to leave. I can't leave now as I'm a student. I have no income, nowhere to go and a child to care for. 
the thought of it makes me sick and anxious and I have some really intrusive and dark thoughts. I think I know the answer. I know what needs to be done, but I'm petrified. How am I going to be a single mum as a student who has to work full-time placement with little support? Thank you so much for reading and for your help in advance. I just think I found that whole email really, really triggering. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I really resonate with the whole story. Yeah, I mean, look, she said at the end of the email, I know what I've got to do. And yeah, there's no way you can stay in that relationship. There's no way. And it's like what um, Tracy said, there's always an out. There's always a way out. And no, I actually feel like if anything, our advice would be go and look at her page and yeah. find things out that you can do. Like, it's just not a way to live. Like, also, it's he doesn't even have re- any remorse. Like, the minute he was single for an hour, he's going and like... The grass is greener, that's what he thinks. He thinks the grass is greener, I've got this new slag. Hope you're listening, hun. Um, I'm sorry for you. Like, it's shit, and I I understand how you're feeling. For Christmas, like, I know there's there's never a good time to break up with someone or find out someone's like ruined your whole world. But do you know what? It's I'm sure we spoke about it the other week when we had our Christmas episode. It almost makes me a bit sad that there's so much pressure around Christmas, even like. If something bad is to happen around that time of year, like so much like mm. ne- there must be so much negativity around Christmas as well because it's meant to be such a happy time of year. So that pressure, isn't it? So much pressure. Yeah. So we're really sorry. Thank you for emailing in. Like my heart goes out to you because and you can do it. What we said earlier in the episode: you're stronger than you know. You can get through it. There's always a way. Lean on the people around you, and yeah, sending you lots of love. Right, we're going to introduce you to a new segment we've got. Confession of the week. Oh, is that how it's going to go? <laughs> so we want to hear, we're going to do one confession each episode. It's anonymous. Yes, yeah, so always. But no, I feel like this is just something to like add in because some of the things that you have sent in have had me in a fit. Yeah. I just find it like, do you know what? Even if we weren't doing these segments, I might just do these on my own stories because they just fill me with so much joy. Make you feel better about life. Are you ready for this confession? Like, you're going to die. Go on. I forgot to buy milk on my shop, and my son cannot not have his cereal in the morning. He is five. I gave him my breast milk in his cereal. (laughs) get those extra nutrients in i mean look if it was like your husband that would be even more bloody brilliant i'm sure your five-year-old probably had your breast milk at some point you're giving him that extra bit of goodness for the winter month yeah a little bit of a immunity yeah so i love that so guys make sure you send in your confessions you can send it to our email address maybe we should share our email address on here again for anyone that doesn't know sending in emails you know, advice, stories, confession, confessions, uh, dilemmas, event of the week. So it is not as we planned podcast at gmail.com. Um, should we end the episode with a little affirmation? A little affy affy. Okay, this week's affirmation. It's okay to be the way you are right now. It is understandable that you felt the way you felt. And I think that's it. I think it's knowing how you feel is valid mm-hmm. and understanding your triggers are valid but again it's finding someone that understands that and makes you feel seen and heard and supported yeah and it's a healing process and it doesn't mean they're always going to be there no thank you guys so much for listening i hope that you enjoyed the episode as always like like share follow um and we hope to see you again next week Bye. bye